0: hello 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 wonderful listeners welcome to the inherent identity podcast i'm tyson bradley your host and today i have something pretty special to share and part of me can't believe i'm actually doing this because if you don't know last year i wrote a book a full-length book and it's called reclaim your inherent identity the five steps to bypassing your brain and creating lasting change instantly now when i was first writing this book i intended on publishing it and getting it on the new york times bestseller list and what was really fascinating is that there were actually miracles that were propelling me down that path and as i kept going down that bestseller path what i realized though is that What I wanted more than just, you know, having a ton of books sold was to be able to have the most applied book on the planet. And so that changed my focus, that changed my direction to only allowing people that were members of my group to read it. So that it's like, hey, you've paid for it, you can apply it, those kind of things and they loved it. It was super helpful to them. And some of it have read it multiple times. So I believe it's it's pretty good and helpful. And now what's really interesting is that I've been impressed to share with you here for free. And this is partly why I can't believe I'm doing this. And you might ask, why would I do such thing? And for one, I would just say that when God tells you to do something, then you do it. And then the second reason is that I believe that by giving you my best work, you'll not only benefit from it, but you'll actually consider working with me in the future to actually apply the powerful techniques that you're going to be able to hear and read into your life. So this book, it's, it's filled with science and research. It's filled with scripture. It's filled with stories, all in a way to be able to help you know to change not just the way you think about yourself and about the world but to be able to apply a framework that can help you live into and reclaim your inherent identity now the thing is as powerful as a book can be i know that at the end of the day it's just information and what i really want to do is be able to help you have experiences that transform you And sometimes I I host free experiential learning calls where you can dive into some of these experiences. And, but the only way in which you can find out about these calls is if you subscribe to my newsletter. So here's what I want you to do right now before we dive into the book. I want you to go to your podcast app, go to the description of this episode, click on the link that will be there, which will send you to a place where you can put your email address in for the newsletter. And as a side note, I wanna let you know that I'm actually publishing and sending out the written book via the newsletter so you could even read it while listening or vice versa, which if you both listen and read at the same time, I've heard that that's actually a pretty effective way to remember things that you learn and really digest it. So I'm providing both written and audio to you, which is crazy. So let's just say that by joining the newsletter, joining this community, you will be taking some powerful steps towards living into your inherent identity. And you'll also be part of a family whose mission it is to prove the idea that God can actually make more of our lives than we can. And that by seeking first the kingdom of heaven, all things will be added unto you. So just like Christ taught, you know, the things that you might be concerned about, whether it's providing for your family, or having more abundance, or abundance of time, or being able to uh, change your habits, your relationships, all those things will be added unto you as you seek first the kingdom of heaven. So I just want to thank you for being part of this journey. And now we're going to dive into the book. So here we go. Chapter eight. Faith is hope for things which are not seen, but are true. Alma had an interesting life. He was the son of a prophet, but didn't follow anything that his dad taught. In fact, he convinced people to not join the church his dad was the leader of. Until one day, an angel appeared and told him to stop persecuting the church. This experience was so shocking, he laid in bed for three days in a nightmare, thinking about all the horrible things he had done and how he had led others to do the same. It wasn't until he remembered what his dad taught him concerning Jesus Christ that he felt any relief from this nightmare. He felt the forgiveness of his mistakes and a relief from his burden of guilt. When he woke up, he knew what he needed to do. Go talk about Jesus to everyone. Fast forward 20 years and Alma finds himself teaching the Zoramites, a group of people who are very divided by their wealth. The rich would go to church, say the same prayer on a tower, and talk about how much better they were than other people, and how God made them better. The poor who built the churches weren't allowed to enter them. They were outcasts within the city they built with their own hands. One day, some of these poor people approached Alma and asked, How can we worship God without a church? Alma's response was the most powerful description of faith ever created. Alma started, I'm so glad you asked this question, and I'm so glad that you are poor, because your lack of wealth has humbled you. Blessed are those that humble themselves without being compelled to be humble, and who believe the words of God without stubbornness of heart." Alma continued, There are many who ask God for a sign to know if He is real. But is this faith? No. Faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Faith is when you trust in things which are not seen but are true. Now, I will share some insights with you about what to do since you are cast out of your churches. But you need to have faith in my words. Even if you just have a particle of faith, or just a desire to believe, then let this desire work in you until you are willing to let this message into your heart. All I ask is that you experiment on my words. Test them out. Think of my words like a seed. If you allow this seed to be planted in your heart, and you don't pluck it out by your unbelief, then it will begin to grow in your chest. And you will know the seed is good, if it feels good, if it expands your soul if it sparks joy within you. If it enlightens your mind, if it tastes good to your heart, that's how you know. Does feeling good mean you have a perfect knowledge? No, but if you are willing to nurse the seed, then it will continue to grow and sprout. A good seed will bring about good things. So if you find yourself nourishing a seed and it's not growing and it doesn't feel good to you, then question it. Notice how real it is to hear a message and for it to stir up something within you almost like an inner knowing. Isn't it a real experience, a tangible experience, to feel good in your body when you sense something is true or right for you? This experience is real because it is light, and whatsoever is light is good because it is discernible. Therefore, you must know that it is good. Your knowledge is not complete, though. You have only believed enough to experiment and plant the seed. You must continue to nurse the seed so it can grow into a tree and produce fruit for you. If you neglect the tree and forget to nourish it then it won't get any root and the sun will come and scorch it and it will wither away and die. This isn't because the seed wasn't good or the fruit not being desirable, it withers away because you will not take care of it and thus not get any fruit. If, on the other hand, you nourish the word, nourish the tree as it begins to grow with faith and diligence and patience, looking forward to the fruit, then it will take root. It will become a tree that continually gives you life. By consistently taking care of your seed and having the faith and patience to nourish it, then it will take root within you, and you will eat the fruit, which is the most precious and sweet and white and pure, and it will fill you up. It will fill you up in such a way that you will not hunger or thirst. This is what you really want. This is the reward for your faith, your diligence, your patience, your long-suffering, and you're waiting for the tree to bring forth fruit unto you. So how do you know if something is true? When I was a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I would regularly invite people to read the Book of Mormon and pray to know whether it was true. For those that were sincere in their desire to know, they would almost always have some sort of feeling in inner knowing that it was true. This intuition and sense of knowing something to be right or true is practiced in most all religions because most all religions have no factual, scientifically-based teachings, although science is catching up. Religions say what they believe to be true, and even if they share stories of miracles happening, it's still not scientifically proven. A pure scientist would say, we didn't see Jesus walk on water, so it didn't happen, and because we can't replicate that experience in our labs, it must be impossible, and this story is made up. If the world was to make decisions and follow only those things that could be proven with their eyes, ears, and hands, we would all still be living in caves. Why? Because in order for any forward progress to take place, one must imagine and believe in a better future without having any evidence. Every invention that changed the world, electricity, light bulbs, cars, planes, phones, started out as an unproven idea. Every world record was believed in first, even when scientists thought it was physically impossible. Faith is trusting in something or someone that cannot be seen or experienced by the five physical senses. But is true. Faith is when you have this sixth sense of inner feeling that confirms something to be true even when you have no proof or evidence. Faith happens outside the realm of external physical senses until scientists develop the technology where we can see these faith particles in action. I don't have any proof, for example, that this book is a New York Times best-selling book. And any author that writes a book doesn't have any proof that it will be successful. They just believe it will be. Thomas Edison didn't have any proof that he could create a light bulb. In fact, he had more factual evidence from his failed attempts that the light bulb couldn't be created and yet he believed in something he couldn't see. He persisted in his faith and eventually created the reality of his belief. You can also use faith as a tool to create the reality of your ideal life. You can follow the inherent identity method in defining your ideals, amplifying them, mapping out your actions, and creating identity statements that align with your dream. Once you create an identity statement, your manifesto, you can pray and ask God whether this identity is true. You can ask for confirmation that your ideal is good and supported by God. And if you ask with a sincere heart, with an intention to follow through on the identity, then you will experience that inner knowing. You will feel the truth of your statement. I invite you to believe that the feeling of expansion within your heart and soul means that it is true. You really are, fill in the blank uh, identity statement, sugar shunner, number one New York Times best-selling author, wellness warrior, philosopher, cold comforter, etc. You really are one of those things. Knowing something in your heart to be true is actually more powerful than what any of the five senses can give you. Experiencing an inner knowing is more powerful than an outer knowing, someone showing you actual evidence. Feeling in your heart that your identity statement is true is more powerful than seeing yourself take action. In other words, You don't need any past proof in order to believe. The only proof you need is a confirmation of who you really are. Your spirit knows what is true about you. This is why you feel something. This is why there is a sixth sense. Your job is simply to remember this confirmation of your identity and to keep remembering so that you continually feel the truth. As you do so, you will naturally take action. You will naturally change your habits and behavior because you know who you really are. If you know in your heart that you really are a sugar shunner, then you will naturally say no to sugar. It will be easy and effortless. There will be no argument in your brain because your brain can't argue with this sixth sense. It can't deny that you felt something beyond the five physical senses. It can't say that your inner experience wasn't real because it was real. This is why someone can provide any evidence to prove the Book of Mormon isn't true, and I won't even believe it. My heart and spirit are convinced. Plus, every time I read it, I gain powerful insights and come away more connected to Christ. The spiritual confirmation allows you to bypass all the opposition your brain wants to offer you as you pursue your goals. Like when you wake up in the morning and your brain offers all sorts of thoughts about having to get up. I don't want to, I am tired, maybe I'll just sleep in, today is going to be horrible. This is the opposition you're up against. And since you have a habit of thinking these thoughts, they come up every morning, and they come up easily. But when you identify yourself as a, for example, wake up warrior, and you ask God the moment your laugh goes off, am I a wake up warrior? Is this who I really am? Then you will find all the lies your brain wants to tell you disappear as you easily get up to start your day. Your spirit, which is more powerful than your body, overrides the oppositional thoughts and gives you strength to honor who you really are. Your spirit will always be stronger than your brain. You are not your brain. You are an intelligent being that has always existed. You are the watcher and the observer. You are the creator of your life. Your brain and everything the world has programmed you to believe is no match for your infinite and eternal intelligence. Levels of belief. David A. Bednar is an organizational behavior professor who got called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. In his book, Power to Become, he outlines the levels of learning and belief that bring about a transformation. The first level is knowledge. This is all about the general facts and information you learn through books, school, other people, and life's experiences. It's like reading a blog post about the top 10 habits for creating a successful life. You read it, But nothing really happens. You just gained information that could change your life forever, and your brain stores it for a moment, but then you forget about it. Some studies suggest that humans forget approximately 50% of new information within an hour of learning it. The second level is understanding. This is when your knowledge goes from your head to your heart. Have you ever been to a conference or listened to a podcast and someone says something you've heard before, but then it hits you, and you feel the truth of what they are saying? You may have learned something multiple times, but for some reason this time it lands and resonates. This is understanding. This is when you finally get it. It's no longer just a fact in the mind because you see the impact and value the information has in your life and you desire to apply it. Understanding can also occur when you pray to know the truth of something you've learned, like the moment where you feel the truth of the identity you create. You may have created an identity statement within your mind, but until you confirm it in your heart, understanding doesn't happen. An unconfirmed and unrepeated identity statement is just knowledge that you will soon forget. The third level is intelligence. This is all about applying yourself to what you know and understand. It is about taking your confirmed identity and making it an integral part of who you are, what you do, and what you think. You know you've reached this level when you find yourself saying, what would a sugar do in this situation? Or what would Prodigal Papa think about this? You actively live into your inherent identity. You take on the character and ideal that you created. You think and act in alignment with who you really are. Knowing these three levels allows you to see where you stand in your efforts to live into your inherent self. If you have consistently struggled to create a new habit, then you are likely on the knowledge level. You know what you need to do, but you aren't doing it. This is where most people are in the world. We have plenty of information and plenty of people telling us what to do, but it's just information that we forget. Once you confirm in your heart that you truly want to change, that the old you is a lie, and that the vision you have for yourself is who you really are, then you've reached the understanding level. You don't just know what you need to do, you know this is who you really are inside and what you are meant to be in this life. This is a good step to be in. But the transformation isn't complete. If you apply yourself only partially to the inherent identity method, you will find yourself with confirmed identity statements and yet still struggle to create the transformation. This is because you must apply yourself to the third level of intelligence. Your identity statement consists of two parts for a reason, the I am statement and the action statement. If you don't include action into your inherent identity statement, then you will be less likely to take action. Faith work without works is dead. Belief without action is just understanding. If you are stuck in the understanding level, then you need to work on the action side of your statement. You may need to make your action smaller or more meaningful. Intelligence does not increase from action alone. It must be in connection with your inherent self. After you, ref- you refine your action, you must evoke your statement. Feel into it. Feel the truth of who you really are. The biggest challenge everyone faces is that they keep forgetting. They keep getting lost in their programmed self. They keep getting distracted by the world, and thus they lose the connection with their inherent self. They might believe in their statement, but they don't know it's true. They operate from their brain and experience their statement as just information. If they feel into it, then they have upgraded to understanding. And once they combine that feeling with the action from their statement, they reach intelligence. I would say this, that this is hard and takes effort, but really it just requires you to wake up. It requires you to be intentional with your life instead of operating from your default programmed brain. It requires you to slow down and listen. Stop identifying yourself with the brain and start identifying yourself with the soul. Hey there, it's Tyson again. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this part of the book and to remind you, that as much as this information can help you, what I really want to do is to be able to provide experiences that can transform your life. And the best way that you can get to know when those experiences may happen will be to go to the podcast description of this episode, click on the link that's there, and put your email address in for the newsletter that I send out every single week. So you'll also be able to access the written book in this newsletter, uh, but wanted to let you know about that and hope you have an amazing rest of your day and stay tuned for the next part of the book. We'll see ya.